All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Oh, wow. 2021. It is season four of the Biohacker Babes. Welcome back. I can't believe that. Where did season three go? We're in season four, episode 76. And welcome to January. I'm Lauren. I'm here with my sister, Renee. Hey there. I'm not here with my sister, Renee. If you are just tuning in for the first time, we are the Biohacker Babes. I am in New York. Renee is across the country in Las Vegas. We have a slight time difference, but we join each other on Zoom for these chats. So thanks for tuning in. If you're coming back, if you're here for the first time, we are the Biohacker Babes, and we are here to teach you about optimizing your health. And we got a lot of feedback and requests from you all. 
in the interim between seasons and we hear you loud and clear. So we're going to do a few episodes about hormones, especially female hormones, but men do not worry. There will be plenty for you here as well, but we're going to kick off this season, this month talking about stress. We all got it. Stress, <laughs> the adrenal yeah, after 2020 yeah, and cortisol. So the relationship between stress adrenals and the cortisol, why do they matter? We all experience stress, whether you think it or not. And if you lived through 2020, if you're here listening, you probably <laughs> are feeling it. So whether or not your perceived level of stress is higher than usual, maybe you don't even realize that you're stressed. So we're going to talk about that today, but We've all experienced it. Thanks, Renee, for these stats. According to the American Institute of Stress, about 33% of people report feeling extreme stress. 77% of people experience stress that affects their physical health. 73% of people have stress that impacts their mental health. And this is just reported stress. So we know there's also hidden stress. So maybe you don't know that you're stressed and then maybe you do know that you're stressed, but it's become so common that now it is normal for you. So we're going to talk about all of these things today. Renee, can you tell us some common symptoms of chronic stress? Yes, we can definitely dive into that. Um, and I just want to say it always is kind of funny to me about like reported symptoms like I always wonder who they asked because they never called me and asked about my stress levels. They didn't so. call me. <laughs> I'm not included in that statistic. Mm -mm. So yeah, I think it's really good to cover the common symptoms because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not stressed because you know, they think of the typical emotional stress, finance stress, things like that. But so some common symptoms that maybe you're experiencing and you're not tying it back to this, really good to know. So digestive issues. Uh, low energy, fatigue, low motivation, some mood issues. So anxiety, mood swings, depression, irritability, maybe trouble sleeping, you know, things like trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep. That would include insomnia. And then another strange thing, and we've felt this before, feeling wired and tired. So it's- That's, That's the worst feeling in the world. It is, it is. Where you're just like, and if you haven't experienced this, just to, to kind of explain it a little bit, wired and tired is like you feel exhausted, like mentally and physically, but you lay down and your brain starts going again. Like you can't just shut it off and fall asleep when all you really need is sleep. So wired and tired, very, very connected to chronic stress. It's like true zombie mode. You're like, how am I even standing? And then you're laying down and you can barely feel your body, but the mind is racing. It's yeah. Wild. It's bizarre. So that's like, one of the extreme symptoms. And then looking at your libido. So if your sex drive is low, or if you have an imbalance in your sex hormones, if you've done hormonal testing, looking at, you know, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, we can see an imbalance here and then infertility. So if the body is very stressed, it doesn't want to reproduce. Uh, that's a way of protecting yourself, which is a good thing. And then finally, weight gain or the inability to lose weight. And I know this is a really big concern for so many people. And especially with new year, the new year kicking off, right? I know everyone always wants to lose weight, but we actually, one of our best episodes ever was all about weight loss. So we talked about like different reasons why you're maybe not losing weight. So you can always go back and check that episode out. But today we're going to talk about how cortisol and the adrenals play a role in your inability to lose weight. So it's not just I mean, one about of our most popular episodes ever. Is that what you meant? Oh, yeah. What did I say? I love that. You were like, our best episode ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
<laughs> Our best episode ever. Listen, yeah. you guys, it was the best one. I hope you listen. I'm not biased. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Our most listened to episode. That's hilarious. I didn't even catch that. Um, great. Okay. So let's get into, so what is cortisol? So if you're not familiar with this term, um, so cortisol, it's a steroid hormone that regulates a wide range of processes throughout the body. This includes your metabolism, your immune response, how the body can regulate stress. So I'm sure you've heard of fight or flight. So we kind of call it the fight or flight or stress hormone, and that's versus the rest and digest state. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, it also can be anti-inflammatory. Lauren will talk a little bit more about inflammation, but remember we need cortisol. It's absolutely necessary in emergencies, right? If you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, cortisol is what comes out and says, Hey, hit the brake, swerve out of the way kind of thing. So we need that. Or, you know, like Lauren and I always love referencing back to the saber tooth tiger. <laughs> cortisol mm -hmm. is what got you to run from that. So cortisol, it can actually suppress inflammation, which is a good thing in moderation. Um, it actually raises your blood glucose. So this can be very helpful, but it can be very problematic. So again, think of it like you're running from the saber-toothed tiger. Your body wants to increase the blood glucose so that you have more energy and fuel to be able to run or sprint away. But we don't want this to be happening all day long, right? We talk about blood sugar all the time and measuring with your CGM. Chronically elevated blood glucose is not a good thing. And that's happening to a lot of us today. Yeah, and so, just to jump in, because I know we joke about the saber-toothed tiger a lot, the modern day analogy can be anything related to emotional, environmental, diet, stress, uh, sorry, sleep stress. There's stress in so many forms. So you may not be running away from a tiger, but maybe your boss at work is yelling at you. It's the same thing. Right, right. And we'll talk about the types of stress too, because your body, you're right, your body doesn't know the difference. It's all yeah. the same physiologically. So what happens if your blood sugar is chronically high? It actually tells your body to store more fat, not what we want. And it will especially do this in the belly area. So if you find that you maybe have more belly fat than the rest of your body, this can be a sign of high cortisol. The other issue with this is it can break down protein reserves. So less muscle mass. You know, when, it look, when we come to stress, our body really wants to survive in the moment. It's going to do whatever it needs to do. So if that means it's going to break down muscle mass in order to get the energy to survive and to run away, it's going to do that. But long-term, we don't want to be losing muscle mass, obviously. Um, yeah. It's breaking down all of, all of these reserves that we have for a reason to protect us. So we don't want to be burning through our reserves all the time. And just to go back to the belly fat and cortisol link. So we actually call it cortisol belly. And I think it's really interesting because you can spot this once you have experienced it and recognized it, you'll start noticing it. Maybe you see people in the fitness space that are really skinny. They're tiny. Maybe they're really muscular, but then they have like this soft area around their belly button. That's cortisol belly. And I'll just give it away right now that one of the main reasons that happens is from doing excessive cardio. Again, there's a million reasons we can have stress, but you'll notice this in that space with people that are doing too much exercise. And it's funny, a lot of people use exercise as a, a modality of stress reduction. You think, oh, I just need to work out and get those endorphins so I can feel better. But sometimes your body does not have the reserve or the capacity to handle that added stress because exercise is a stress, right? So if you're already stressed and you're adding more stress, you're just adding fuel to the fire. And then we get this cascade of hormones that are getting out of balance. Equals yeah. belly fat. 
Yeah. And I think a good example of this is like marathon runners or like you said, like the chronic cardio, right? You've seen like the people running the marathon, the skinny arms, skinny legs, but then their belly is like got a little pooch. So the cortisol and quick thing about running marathons. Um, my husband got into an argument with someone on Facebook the other day about, Oh, not again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, well, he finally got out. Yeah. Um, just like staying healthy in 2020 and, um, multiple people were arguing that they are healthy because they run marathons, but they can't lose weight. And I was like, that's like a oxymoron. If you can't lose weight, there's something out of balance. So anyways. Okay. Uh, Well, unfortunately, a lot of people do think like this. So that's why we're here to hopefully break down those myths, break down those walls, because something is not happening the way you want it to. There's another answer. So we always come back to this biohacker way is to keep asking questions. Keep asking questions. Don't stop until you have the answer that feels right to you. Exactly. Great. Cool. Okay. So adrenals, (laughs) we have cortisol, (laughs) adrenals. So this is an organ that sits on top of the kidneys and it produces cortisol. That's where we make cortisol. But the problem with the adrenals is they get blamed for a lot of shit. So if you've heard adrenals, poor adrenals, just these (laughs) tiny little things, they get blamed. And a lot of you have probably heard of adrenal fatigue, but actually I feel like at this point, it's safe to say that no one is calling it that anymore. It hasn't been called that for a long time, but who knows? Maybe someone's still Some people are. Yeah. Every once in a while, it'll pop up. So the thing is that the adrenals are part of a more complex process or a more complex community. And that is the HPA axis. So your hypothalamus, your pituitary, and your adrenals create this axis and they all talk to each other. So we can't just blame the adrenals and I'll I'll explain a little bit more, but so basically what's happening is your adrenals secrete cortisol. They also secrete adrenaline, epinephrine, norepinephrine, all those things that are going to help you run from that tiger or to help you deal with your boss yelling at you or to help you, you know, stop the car to avoid an accident, things like that. And what happens when we experience stress is that adrenaline is going to flood our bloodstream. And then the pituitary gland is going to secrete something called ACTH. That's your adrenocorticotropic hormone that travels to the adrenal glands, which stimulates even more hormone production like cortisol to be specific. So it really is like a a branch of communication. So the hypothalamus, which is like our master regulator, talks to the pituitary and that talks to the adrenals. And then the adrenals have this feedback loop where they, they report back to the hypothalamus. So you can see it's not just one thing. So if we're experiencing the stress, we really have to look at the entire picture because really it's a brain down function. I think this is really becoming prevalent in the health space. It's all about the brain. Everything come back, comes back to the brain. That's our communication center. Our brain tells our organs, our endocrine system, our everything to work. So if the brain's not working, nothing else is going to work. So just to recap that, it's about how the brain and the adrenals communicate and then respond to stress. And if we're making too much cortisol because we're under chronic stress, remember a little bit of stress is good. And we've talked about this on other episodes, hormesis, like a small dose of stress is good for the body. That's how we respond. That's how we get stronger. That's how we become more resilient. But what this episode is all about is avoiding chronic stress 
or trying to mitigate that stress if it's become chronic. So when too much cortisol is made in the adrenals, then it tells the hypothalamus, right? It goes back up to the top, tells the hypothalamus to slow down production of the hormones that tell the adrenals to produce cortisol. I hope that makes sense. So we're just slowing it down. So our adrenals are like creating this reserve. And that's a little bit different where maybe, Renee, you can talk about this. Like the ovaries actually will run out of reserve. The adrenals don't run out of reserve. They're just slowing down uh, their production to protect you, correct? Right. Yeah, I think you explained that perfectly. It's really fascinating. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, so you're slowing down production and your body can only take so much of this. So eventually what happens is chronically high cortisol becomes no cortisol or very low cortisol. It can sort of bottom out or go into the basement, I think is what we say pretty often. And you don't want it to go in the basement because then you don't have all of those protective mechanisms. It protects your immune health. It suppresses too much inflammation, right? We, we need all of these things to keep us safe and healthy. So we're going to try to keep you in that correct cortisol rhythm, which we're going to get to pretty soon. But I just want you to know that stress is your body's biggest hormone hijacker, and it comes in so many forms. And if you're trying to lose weight, we have to step back and look at the big picture. We have to keep stepping back and look at the even bigger picture. Like you have to keep zooming out because it's it's pretty complex. Anything to add there? Yeah, I would just say, I mean, you did a great job explaining kind of like the the stages of you know how that happens with the feedback loop. And I know it's still a debate about the the term adrenal fatigue, but I will say Dr. Alan Christensen on his website, he has a good, whatever you want to call it, adrenal quiz or HPA access quiz. You know, I don't care what you label it, but it's a good quiz just to kind of get an idea of what stage you're in. Like, Mm, are you fully to the wired and tired or are you just at that beginning stage of elevated cortisol and you're not seeing the, you know, the ramifications of that yet? Oh, I think that's awesome. I mean, I think we can still zero in on the adrenals and look at our physiological symptoms. That's really great. Yeah. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. Show notes. Check it out. Great. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about stress. So again, we always say, you know, stress is not all negative, right? We need stress to wake up in the morning, to stay motivated at work, to meet deadlines, to get your butt to the gym, even positive emotions, things like inspiration and love. We see an increase in cortisol with all of these, but they're not necessarily bad, right? And so just because we see an increase in heart rate and cortisol, as long as it's more short-term and all these positive stressors, that's okay. So the key here is not just to like minimize and get rid of all stress, right? But it's also to focus on the right stressors and to focus on recovery. So types of stress, let's break this down. So number one can be physical stress. So that we can think of as, you know, exercise, which is a good stress, could also be pain, muscle soreness, aches, not necessarily good stress, but it's again, signaling your body to your body, something's wrong. And we have emotional stress. And I think this is like the big one people connect with, right? Maybe you're in a toxic relationship or you're feeling lonely. These are more emotional stressors. And then the fun ones- your work stressors too, right? A lot of people are experiencing- Work stress, I would say even now um, during 2020, when a lot of people are working virtually, I know I have a lot of clients that have had even more stress, like the demands are even higher because they're on Zoom. So the production and demand is so much higher. It's kind of crazy. You would think it would, yeah. would have gone down a little bit, but work yeah. stress. 
Big work one. stress. Well, and it could also be maybe, and I think we experienced this, you know, being able to work virtually is you, it's hard to turn it off, right? Your, mm-hmm. your computer's just there 24 seven. It's really easy to get sucked into working probably more than people that are used to an office job where they leave at five and they're done for the day. Now it's, you know, different. Yeah. And I don't know what room in your home you're working in, but this is one of the reasons why you don't want your computer in your bedroom because your your brain can't separate the difference. So if your computer's in the bedroom, then at nighttime, your brain is still going to think that you have to be alert. So that's probably mm-hmm. happening more and more. And even if your computer's not in your bedroom, even if your computer's in your living room, still there's not there's no separation. Hopefully you have like a doorway you can walk through because that kind of like resets your brain, right? But yeah, definitely that's a great boundaries tip. right now. Right, keep it out of the bedroom. Okay, and then so fun stress. So this is hormesis or <laughs> acute stress. stress. Fun stress. We love hormesis. <laughs> um, so this is going to be, you know, like Lauren's favorite cold showers or my infrared sauna, uh, running sprints. So some um, good exercise there. So these are the things that are really going to make you stronger during the recovery. So we want some hormesis throughout our life. That's a good thing. The problematic thing is chronic stress. This is really that long-term elevated cortisol. So the interesting thing is it becomes a way of life for some people. They don't even realize they're in that. And yes, I am guilty of that. (laughs) I think a lot of us are, but it just becomes like a daily habit. You know, you wake up, you get your coffee, you go, go, go all day till you hit the bed and you don't even realize what you're doing to your body. Hopefully we can bring some awareness to that. And then the final category of stressors, some of these are actually very hidden for people. We call these like the environmental stressors. So this could be poor air quality, maybe in your apartment, there's a mold issue, pollutants, there's off-gassing from your carpet, your paint, your couch, flame retardants, things like that. Um, Even things like bright lighting, especially at nighttime, EMFs, so the radiation coming from your laptop, et cetera. Um, this could also be your diet. So food toxins, you know, if you're eating genetically modified food, non-organic food, do you have food allergies or sensitivities? These are all stressors on the body. And then the last one is stealth infections. So things like Epstein-Barr virus, which I talk about a lot, um, Lyme disease. Sometimes people don't even know that they have these issues, but the problem is when you have an infection like that, your body is constantly producing more cortisol to help fight that. And that can end up, you know, with chronic fatigue from all that. Yeah. And that can include bacterial overgrowth. There's so many different types of self-infection. So right. SIBO, gut dysfunctions. Yeah. So working with a health practitioner is a great way to identify those things through uh, functional blood chemistry, organic acids, gut tests, lots of ways to discover that. But just to go back to the beginning of environmental toxins, I was thinking about when we were kids and how exciting it was to get a new car and smell a new car for a friend got a new car. I was like, can I get in it? I just love that smell (laughs) or like a new house, a new carpet smell. And now I just want to be so far away from those things. That is not something that you should be enjoying or breathing in regularly. Don't freak out if you got a new car or a new house. Don't freak out. But you really need to remove yourself as much as possible from those smells that are weirdly addictive. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I mean, go for a drive, roll down the windows. I don't know how cold it is where you are, but (laughs) just air air it out. Get some cold, fresh air. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why plants in your home are helpful. So if you have a new home and you're worried about the air, that's a really good option too. 
Yeah. Great. Before we go into the next category, I just wanted to share a quote that I found. I thought this was really resonated with what we always say. Stress is adaptive and supports growth and resilience when it is not excessive. Isn't that a great quote? We love resilience, right? That was our word of 2020. Yeah. We're just trying to have moderation, right? (laughs) We need a little bit of stress. It's got to be in moderation. And you really have to step back and and look at this because sometimes you don't even know how much has built up in your life. Do you even know what excessive means? We know this. We talk to people all the time. They're like, I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. Well, you are stressed. Maybe you have become uh, begun to tolerate a level of stress that you feel more resilient and feel like you can handle more, but that doesn't mean that internally your body is nailing it in that way. Right. And we can talk about testing for that too. No. Oh, you actually wrote this. The body itself cannot tell if stress, this is hilarious. So we're sharing notes here. The body itself cannot tell if the stress is negative or positive. The negative or positive appraisal happens in the perceiver's mind. So this is the difference between you stress or positive stress or distress. The body doesn't always know you're getting these inputs. And then later on, your brain sort of like sorts them. You have like a a positive stress bucket, a negative stress bucket. Generally, the negative stress bucket is much heavier than (laughs) the you stress. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done some really cool research on this. They put, you know, two groups of people through similar stress or stressors and looked at how they perceived it. And then they measured, I'm not sure I'd have to go back and look at some of the research. I think they were maybe measuring heart rate variability and cortisol, but a lot of it was perception. Mm. I think that's so fascinating. So don't be hard on yourself. All right. If we have the stress, Lauren, how do we overcome it? What do we do? Okay. Basics always, we're always going to come back to the basics. So we're going to get into some fancier stuff like lab testing and nutritional and supplemental help, but you can't do any of that until you work through the basics. And that's sleep, nutrition, hydration, stress reduction, I would say intelligent exercise or or movement that is right for your body that's not adding stress. We always come back to sleep. That was like our number one takeaway from season three. Sleep hygiene is so, so, so important. You have to be sleeping. And if you don't know if you're sleeping well, you definitely need to get a sleep tracker and at least temporarily check it out. Maybe you're waking up and you feel okay. I don't know. Check it out. How much REM are you getting? How much deep sleep are you getting? How long is it taking you to fall asleep? You shouldn't be passing out the second your head hits the pillow. You also shouldn't be staring at the ceiling for an hour. And sometimes we need some data quantification to really track this. But sorry, I don't mean to go <laughs> down like a sleep rabbit hole, but make sure you're sleeping. And the no, I mean, sleep is, is so important. You spend yeah. one one third of your day, you spend sleeping. And, and yeah. you know, it's so fascinating looking at, you know, ancestral health and evolution we obviously need to sleep. If we were willing to put ourselves, you know, out of, out of mind for a third of the day where we could be eaten or killed, whatever, it must be really important. So get the data, get the data. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you're doing all of those things because if you just jump into testing or jump into taking supplements, they're not going to have the the desired effect or they're not going to be as powerful if you're not doing the basics. So that first, and then I would say number two, just having a little chat with yourself to identify the stressors. Look at your stress bucket. Take a step back and say, 
okay, maybe I don't feel stressed today, but have I just gotten really used to this stress? Like, what is my body really feeling? Like, how am I vibrating? What's sort of like sinking to the bottom here? And sometimes it just takes a pause to kind of check that out for yourself. And then next, yay, testing. We love testing. (laughs) You can test your hormones. And uh, so we like to use the Dutch test. That's D-U-T-C-H. I think that is probably the best test that is on the market or available to us as health practitioners right now. This is the best way to analyze your HPA access or just to zero in on the adrenals and see what's happening. So you're basically going to see your cortisol journey, what's happening from the moment that you wake up throughout your day and then leading into nighttime um, to be able to produce these nighttime hormones and then go back to sleep, get that sleep and recovery you need. Like, is this happening in the correct pattern? That's what we're looking at. So a few different options here, which we can go through if you want to message us and get more information on it. But the Dutch Plus, the Dutch Complete, which is uh, saliva and urine. And then for the women that are dealing with any menstrual issues, fertility issues, cycle mapping is something that Dutch offers. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. All of those are so great. Uh, the cortisol awakening response. I think everyone should do that test alone, but yeah, Dutch testing is great. And then another testing option I would throw into this category is heart rate variability. If you're not sure if you're stressed, that's a really easy way to find out your body will tell you, you cannot lie when it comes to HRV testing. As I'm speaking, my, my leaf therapeutics is vibrating, telling me I need to take some deep breaths actually. So that's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, podcasting is stressful. Hopefully it's it's hormatic. <laughs> yeah. May, I think maybe when I'm talking, I'm not breathing as deeply. So I'll have to oh, work on that. That's, that's a hard one. <laughs> okay. But, so yeah. Dutch testing is really, really powerful. If you're not sure that you're stressed, if you're struggling with weight loss, if you're struggling with sleep, if you're struggling with an infection, all those things that we mentioned earlier, this is a really excellent place to start. And we can help you do that. We both Renee and I both are health practitioners and we run the Dutch test. So check it out. Next on the list, working in versus working out. What the hell is working in? You probably are asking. <laughs> working I love in that term. I know I do too. This is a Paul Check term. We learned this from um, our mentor, Paul Check. Working in is essentially recovery. It's essentially upregulating your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and and digest. This is where you get stronger and more resilient. It's also a balance of your nervous system. And we've talked about this in our HRV episodes and, and throughout last season, you want a balance between sympathetic, parasympathetic. So that's sort of the difference between working in. Working out is more sympathetic. It's more stressful. So working in would be a de-stress, the recovery, the coming, the coming down. That's when you get stronger and more resilient. I think I've said that 10 times already. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, and I think to use HRV testing to determine if you should work in or work out that day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we love the aura ring and the whoop band and now Renee's leaf therapeutics. That can be a guide for you. Some people don't know how hard to push themselves and yeah, data, data, data. So good. But now that we're talking about this uh, working out versus working in, this is where we want to avoid chronic cardio and do more working in. I have, this is my personal journey. This is how I found out about my adrenals and my cortisol patterning. I was doing way too much cardio so much. I don't know if you know my history, but I used to, uh, I used to teach dance cardio. And part of being an instructor is showing up 
no matter how you're feeling, which is sort of completely against <laughs> everything that I believe in and only training when my body's ready for it. This is just a downside of the fitness industry. You have to show up and give your best, even if you're not feeling great. And that is really, really hard on the body. So I went through this where I had to teach. I was being called on to teach quite a bit. Boundaries, I'm just saying, are, are a really good thing. I should have said no, and I didn't because it was fun. And we get endorphins from working out, right? And I was making money. But you have to choose your body first. I'm not talking to all of you because I know you're not all fitness trainers, but if you're doing chronic cardio, if you're showing up for a class six, seven days a week because you're trying to lose weight, you're just pouring more fuel on the fire. That's not actually helping your health journey. You're setting yourself back big time. So the overall lesson with working in versus working out is that less is more. And also it's so personal. You need to know how your body is perceiving that stress. And that's why something like HRV that Renee mentioned is so powerful. Yeah. And to add with the exercise, so my husband and I just started the X3 bar workout. Yeah. I'm going to talk about efficient exercise. I mean, it's maybe 10 minutes, four days a week. Like It's so simple. And Anyways, I'm bringing that up because the instructor, the guy that developed the X3 bar, he has this t-shirt in one of the videos. It says, no cardio, no weights, just X3. Well. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, he admits. He's like, well, of course I'm marketing what I developed. But his point is that like, he doesn't do, he doesn't do, this is quotes, do cardio. Just, you know, like you said, more movement, staying active, stressing your body when you can stress it, but not pouring fuel on the fire, like you said. Yeah. Interesting. I would always argue that you need to do some cardio. <laughs> There's yeah. a reason why people work their cardiovascular systems. And, and sometimes you can get that with strength training. Sometimes you are getting, you're moving through higher heart rate zones and, and getting breathless. But I would advocate for doing some endurance cardio training in addition, but it's all about balance and right. moderation. Balance and personalization, always. Speaking Great. of balance, we want to make sure also <laughs> that we're balancing our blood sugar. This one is so big. This is like a major, major hidden stressor. You can't possibly know if your blood sugar is out of balance unless you're testing. A yeah, lot of people you just can't know. feel it. I didn't know. I had like a completely wackadoodle idea of what my blood sugar was doing in my life. <laughs> wackadoodle. So I don't know. It just came out. <laughs> I, I used to think, I know I've talked about this before. I, I used to think that I was getting low blood sugar if I wasn't eating every two hours. You know, I would like feel hungry or maybe feel anxious. So I was like, I have to eat. My blood sugar is low or my metabolism is going to slow down if I don't keep snacking. Okay. That was so false. Yeah. But also blood sugar... I get a lot of spikes from foods that I would never in a million years have guessed. So you got to, you have to, you got to test. This is a non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. And I would add, I think, like you said, this is such a hidden stressor. People don't connect this. You know, I, both of us have experienced what we thought was adrenal fatigue and then HPA access dysfunction. And I think for me, it was like, a, I set myself up, you know, overworking, not sleeping enough, got to college, totally burned out. But one thing that I did, you know, when I, when my eating disorder was really bad and I was only eating, you know, four to 500 calories a day, think about the blood sugar roller coaster I was probably on. Mm. Like, can you imagine if I had had a CGM on, like, you know, when your blood sugar drops, your body 
produces cortisol to keep mm-hmm. you alive. <laughs> so anytime it's dropping and then you're increasing cortisol all day, I was probably doing that to my body for years mm-hmm. and had no idea. So yeah, test the glucose, yeah. balance it. You got to do it. But it's also just interesting to watch on the CGM or with the Keto Mojo, how emotional stressors really do trigger that. Because like right. we said at the beginning of the episode, cortisol is spiking your blood sugar. So you're ready to, to fight, but you don't really need that. Like, okay, I'm a late person. I'm always running late. And it's very funny. You can see on my CGM when I'm running late because my <laughs> glucose goes super high. That's a stressor. That is kind of unnecessary. I mean, I'm usually recovering yeah. from it, but that's such a lesson to have more, you know, do more working in, to plan ahead, to breathe more because we don't want that that spike over and over. That's what leads to the, the chronic elevation, the chronic stress. Right, right. Yeah, you don't need that glucose to have that talk with your boss. And then some no. people, I think, experience, you know, with the, the stress happens, their glucose increases, and then they'll actually see a glucose drop. And then that's when they go and grab a candy bar, granola bar, soda. It's like your body's trying to compensate, but you shouldn't need to compensate because you should never see that spike and drop. So, right. And then you just, you commit to that roller coaster then. You're just up and down, up and down. Yeah. And so to throw back a couple episodes in season three, we had what, three or four episodes about blood sugar. So if you're interested in that, definitely go back and dive deeper there. Mm-hmm. But very important for hidden stressors. Um, other hidden stressors, so infections and pathogens, we briefly talked about this. So if you're not sure if you have this, I mean, again, we can do some testing. There is blood work we can do to find this out. We can look at maybe a stool analysis if you're suspecting parasites or candida, anything that's maybe in the gut, maybe even a SIBO breath test. So things like that, just to make sure you're um, eliminating any factors there. Anything on that, Lauren? No, I just think that's another one. You're you're most likely going to have to test for it. Most people are not going to have obvious symptoms probably until it's uh, too late and the entire body is sort of crashing. So yeah, I would say if you No, I'm not going to say if you have the resources and the time. I think you just need to test. I think this is major prevention. I think last year we all were called to step up and really take care of our health. So this is the opportunity to do it. Test. Just find out what's going on. Yeah, actually, I had a really interesting um, client. We just ran the stool analysis, the GI map test. And when she came to me, she was pretty sure she had candida overgrowth. Like she was like, I'm craving sugar, um, wanting carbs, sugar, um, just poor digestion. And she was about to spend, I think she said like $200 on a candida cleanse program. And we ran the GI map and it came back. Candida wasn't the problem. It was actually a couple other things, more like bacterial infections, H. pylori. Mm. How would we have known without testing? Yeah. Test, don't guess. It a similar story. I have a client that had SIBO can't confirm that it ever went away, but her symptoms went away. So she was like, oh, no more SIBO. So we did an oat test and the, you know, the marker that indicates that it's very likely that SIBO is still there was, was very high. It was like all signs point to yes, but she was feeling better because the body's really resilient, but that doesn't mean that it's not low lying or still active to a certain degree and still wreaking havoc. So yeah. Interesting. Test. Test, 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 test. Awesome. Okay. So what other things can we do for stress? So 
Um, and again, we talk about this in episode four, uh, one of our very first episodes, but tips like, you know, meditation, mindfulness, therapy, breath work, laughter, and gratitude journaling. You can't overlook those things. They're just so easy to implement into your routine. Um, and you'll just see amazing benefits from all of those. Yeah. And we so have they, a lot of friends that do uh, breath work and laughter. There's so much stuff that's online and on Instagram. Just go, just go do it. I love breath work and laughter. I, I love that you put them next to each other because <laughs> laughter makes me breathe more. So if you can just do oh, really? both at the same time. <laughs> Right. If you're Perfect. laughing, you probably like have to catch your breath a little bit, and then you kind of get a bonus. Yeah. And then yeah. The laughter brings gratitude. It brings mindfulness. Just make sure that you're like taking a time out at some point. Yes. They all kind of tie together. Um, what else? So toxins, we talked a little bit about this list, but you know, just make sure you're eating as clean of a diet as you can, you know, no GMO. Um, make sure you're buying organic, nothing that's gonna have pesticides, antibiotics, hormones, the less the better. Um, personal care products. We also did a good episode about this, just all the toxins that we're putting on our skin and our face, our hair every day. It's just out of control. All of those are taken in like a stress. So make sure you're cleaning up your personal care routine. Same goes for anything you're cleaning your house with. You can make your own products or there's so many brands now that are coming out that have, you know, two or three ingredients. They're really clean. So use clean products to clean your house. Don't use toxic products. Okay. Not and then, bleach. Oh yeah. Is that one ingredient? toxic. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. There's so many other offenders. I'm just thinking about bleach because everyone is, you know, and Lysol keeping bleach around Lysol, really trying to sanitize things. You don't want to kill everything. You guys know that already. Yeah. Yeah. And then like Lauren said, new anything, just make sure, you know, car house, whatever, just air it out, get some plants, filter the air all good stuff there. And then the last thing you can do for stress is supplements. So there's two ways to look at the supplement routine for stress is one, when you're under chronic stress, your body actually depletes certain nutrients, especially magnesium and B vitamins. So if you're under stress, we know you already probably need to replenish the restores of both of those. I mean, there's so many magnesiums on the market, you know, bioptimizers is a good one because it has all the magnesiums. I like mm-hmm. magnesium glycinate and then B vitamins. Again, these are kind of like your stress vitamins. So, um, you might just need to be complex. The other but side, I'm just of- going to jump in that. Yeah. We really want to be testing all of these things. Like, especially the B vitamins are cofactors for so many different metabolic processes. And you want to really understand why they're depleted. You want to step back and see that full picture and I mean, just one consideration for B vitamins, some of us have methylation methylation issues. You want to make sure you're getting the B vitamins that your body can absorb. Renee and I both need methylated Bs, but some people can actually be harmed by that. So please don't just go to the drugstore and buy these things because we said that they are good for stress relief. Remember to test first. Yes. I would say magnesium, like most people are extremely deficient in magnesium. I would say that's fairly safe. But again, like I think at least step one, just do a blood chemistry. It's yeah, easy. Yeah. It's like what your doctor does. And, and we can do like more upgraded version of that if you want more information. But sorry, I mean to jump yeah. on you, but no, 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 that's a good point. And then and to tag on to that is quality. Don't ever just go to the store and buy a supplement anyways, because of the quality issue, especially, I mean, just B vitamins, for example, if you're taking it in a tablet form, that is there's no way that's even getting into your body. So yeah. you're just pooping it, you're pooping it out. <laughs> Even at Whole Foods, I'm shocked at 
the products that are on those shelves at Whole Foods? Yes. Whole Foods does not mean it's been fully vetted. So yeah. Anyways, um, other things. So, um, adaptogenic herbs. So these are really amazing because they basically make your body more resilient to stress things like rhodiola, ashwagandha, ginseng, tulsi, holy basil. There's so many out there. Uh, reishi is another good one reishi mushroom. Again, just, you know, work with a practitioner on this, but these are really powerful herbs. L-theanine, this is naturally found in green tea. It's very calming. It's why some people, when they drink green tea, they get a little boost from the caffeine, but it's a very calming feeling versus coffee that's just like a jolt to your body. So that's actually a a biohack some people do is they'll take L-theanine with their coffee so you can get a more calming energy. And then a calm buzz. A calm buzz. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not jumping off the walls. Um, And then CBD oil. You all know I'm a huge fan of CBD oil before bed. Just nice way to calm down the nervous system. And some people like it during the day, but I just find that it's different for everyone. Um, Again, quality really matters for CBD oil. Don't just buy this at, you know, Target or wherever. Or from an influencer on Instagram. I saw someone recently that I follow that uh, was marketing probably the shittiest CBD that I've ever seen. I was like, this is <sighs> ridiculous. Please just turn the bottle around, read the label before you take something. Please, please. Yeah. I mean, it definitely needs to at least be organic. So CBD or well, hemp tends to be very highly sprayed with pesticides. So you put the pesticides in an oil tincture. Yep. Don't do that. <laughs> so quality <Yeah>. matters. <laughs> Yeah. So there's just a couple of our favorite supplements that can help with that. But again, you know, it comes back to test, don't guess, work with a practitioner that really knows the ins and outs of cortisol testing, HPA access dysfunction. So you can really create a personalized plan to get a hold on all of your stressors. Yeah. It's so personal. I mean, Renee and I both have experienced this and this really hits home for me because this is sort of was my real introduction to health coaching. That's why I found it because I was trying to heal my own adrenal dysfunction. Sorry, HPA axis dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) And I think everyone's journey is going to be a little bit different. But again, if you're you're trying to lose weight, if your immune system is not functioning, if you're getting sick a lot, this is definitely something you have to look at. For me, it was too much exercise. I had to pull back, but not just on the exercise, but I had to cut out caffeine. That was a really big helper for me, less caffeine and really prioritizing sleep. So it takes some work and some commitment and you are going to have to rearrange some stuff, but if you can rebuild that resiliency, you're going to be so much better off. Yeah. All good points. Yeah. So just to kind of like close out the episode, you know, take a step back, look at where the stress might be coming in. I like what you said, Lauren, you know, maybe you can just make a list of like what could possibly be stressing your, stressing you out and reassess that. So what do we have coming up? So Lauren said, we're going to do more about hormones. Um, we had so many requests about hormones. So we're going to talk about, you know, biohacking periods, acne, PMS, PCOS. We're going to have a whole episode just about PCOS pregnancy. We're going to see if we can get a guest speaker on about that. So many great hormone topics. This is really just the basics with uh, Dutch testing and looking at adrenal and cortisol health. So definitely stay tuned for all these awesome, exciting episodes coming up. We are so excited to kick off season four and we love all your feedback and support. You all are just so awesome. And we're so grateful for all of you. So happy new year and we will see you next week. Ditto to all of that. Thanks for tuning in. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast. 
head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.